to Your Property Podcast. My name is Michelle Kearns, your host for today. And today we have Philip Saunders. Hi, Philip. Hello. Great to have you on with us today. And just for the record, it is the 18th of June 2020. And for anyone who doesn't, is not yet subscribing to YPN Magazine, if you click the link in the show notes, then you will get your free first magazine. So click the link for that. Right. So, Philip, you have an interesting story about yurts, um, which is why you're here with us today. Um, and uh, we're going to get that into that in a bit more detail. So I'll hold the suspense for the audience there. But tell us a bit about yourself and, you know, what's your experience, background in property? How did you get into working with property and how did you get into working with yurts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll try and condense that as much as possible. So my background is um, very limited. I've not got much experience in property at all. Um, I have two properties that I own. I've got a buy-to-let that my mum lives in. She's my tenant, so you can see I'm not making a lot of cash flow there. <laughs> it's a pretty good deal. Lots of good karma, though. <laughs> yeah, lots of good karma. Uh, yeah, and she lives in this house just down the road from me, and she um, she really helps out with the kids a lot. It's great mm. having her close to home. So uh, and she's a fantastic tenant. You can't get a better tenant than your mum. <laughs> she looks after the place well. And uh, and then the, the property I live in now with my wife and my kids. Uh, yeah. So that is the extent of my actual property investing before I started doing this this deal that I am going to talk about in a minute. Yeah. And before I got into property, I actually work for wind turbines. That's my main. Oh, career. okay. Um, I'm what's known as a blade specialist. So we wow. blades are things that spin around on the wind turbine, yeah. and they're all fiberglass, and. Um, they receive a lot of damage, lightning strikes and, and general erosion over time. So in order to fix these these things that spin around, we have to abseil from the very top of the wind turbine. Wow. So rope over the side and we abseil down the wind turbine and fix all the little problems that we need to do. So that's a, a really exciting career that I've been doing for the last 10 years or so. Wow, okay. And um, so what what made you decide to get into property and you've joined uh, a mastermind program at the moment. Yeah. So yeah. Just tell us a bit right. about that. Uh, so whilst I was working on these wind farm sites, I was actually in a van driving back to, to the airport after a couple of weeks, I think it was Norway. And there was a guy sat next to me that was into property and I wasn't really too interested at the time. And he said, oh, I've just got this great um, audio book. You know, would you mind if I, put it on whilst we're driving to the airport. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'm quite open-minded. I'll just sit and idly go on my phone whilst you listen to this boring book about property. <laughs> it was actually Simon Zucci's Property Mastermind. Okay. And it was absolutely fantastic, great book. And by the time we got to the airport, I was so intrigued and hooked. I bought the book. And <laughs> and so this I, is I Property Magic, yeah? The property book. Magic, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah apologies. Yeah, Anyone's going to buy it, buy the sixth edition because that's the latest one. Just, you know, well, there are other books available and all that, but uh, he's got a few versions as things have changed. So yeah. it is, yeah, it's a very interesting book. And that was my entry point. Um, um, by the time I'd landed back in the UK, I'd listened to the whole book um, and I was really hooked. I had all these different strategies, HMO, PLO, Red yeah. and I just, it just blew my mind. I was like, this is yeah. fantastic. You know, there's a way that I could do this without any of my own money and getting quick cash flow and all the benefits of property. So at that point onwards, I, I kind of was hooked into the property. So I how long ago was that? That was two years ago. Okay. And yeah. so you read the book and then what happened next? What was your next action? 
Um, I started looking down the HMO route, which is a very popular route today, um, ways to make quick cash flow, rent to rent. And uh, I actually signed up to Simon's HMO Masterclasses online course that he does. Um, and that was really good. And that came with two free tickets to the um, event in Birmingham, oh, Magic really? Live, which was October last year. Yeah. So um, I, we got two tickets. I took the wife and went down to Birmingham and I was just really keen to meet all these property investors and listen to all the speakers and just delve into the world a little bit more. Um, as, as we were there, there was all these people walking around with these green mastermind badges on thinking, okay, this is a bit weird. <laughs> were these guys on this, on this pedestal. Um, and we kind of dismissed it for the first morning. And then by the afternoon, we started to look at them with a bit more interest. And then sure enough, by the end of the second day, we just signed up wow. for the whole course um, wow. back in October. It was really, it's been really good so far. I'm on the course now. I'm on Mastermind 28, eight months in. And it's been a real, real journey. And it's just been a phenomenal drive forward to push me in this direction that I've yeah. committed to really this year. And what was it that made you kind of think, um, you know, that that was the way to go? Because obviously there's a lot of kind of um, scepticism sometimes around property courses and property training. And obviously it gets a bad press uh, for, for a number of reasons. But the, you know, it works. And, I, I, you know, for me it's worked. And I know a lot of people where it's completely transformed their journey and accelerated their progress um and you know what were your kind of drivers and reasons for signing up what did you hope that it would help you to achieve well uh yeah i'm, I'm very lucky in that the career that i've chosen i've traveled around the world flips and wind turbines it's been fantastic so i really like to travel and um it happens to be very well paid but uh, three years ago my twin girls were born identical twin girls and uh, they've been a real joy but I now don't want to go away I don't yeah. want to be away mm. and the, my problem with the current career is it always takes me away for weeks at a time months sometimes oh, wow. and it's um, as they've gotten older and older it's been more and more of a pain every time I've got on the plane to fly off mm. to do more work it gets harder and harder to be separated from them so my real driver was be mm. to get cash flow quickly okay. I don't have to get on that plane and travel away um, so that's why I, I went all in with the mastermind program and the real yeah. hope that I would get this cash flow in this, this year and next year I won't have to do this anymore and I could just be at home, live off the cash flow from all my property deals and then be a full-time property investor and that's the plan and it's going well so far. And how are you finding the kind of reality of it because I think I've made there's always like the two sides of it on the one hand you can see how there are lots of people getting results very quickly and you've got all these case studies okay you just need to do this and this and then you can get the cash flow and you can kind of see it uh, logically and also of course there's an element of putting in the hard work and getting the results from that there is I think an element of sort of finding the right deal as well and sometimes that can take some time um, so I think you know while you're in something like that a program a, it can feel like, you, you know, you blink and a month's gone. Mm. But also it's like really frustrating because you think, gosh, I'm not making the progress that I need to be making and a month's just gone and I'm not really, you know, it's going too fast and, I, you know, I should be at a certain point. Is that is that how you feel or are you feeling like, you know, you've got lots of deals coming in through the pipeline and it's just which one should you choose? Where, where's your, where are you at with um, it? Yeah. 
Good question. So at the start of Mastermind, it's, it's very overwhelming. Um, they, they throw all these courses and information at you and everyone's just trying to soak as much in as possible. And there's a real um, urgency that people are feeling to, to mm. get a deal over the line. Yes. And even though you've only been doing it for a few months, everyone's so desperate to get their first deal. And it actually takes a little bit of time to just absorb everything and, and find your strategy and find what area of the country you're going to invest in. And once you start honing that down, it does take a bit of time. Then you start to get little bits of success and a little bit more and a little bit more and it gradually builds and, and suddenly after six months eight months i've got a phenomenal amount of success in a short time and i'm incredibly busy trying to deal with all the things that i've got coming to my table at the moment um but i do know that a lot of masterminders on my course are still struggling to to find their first deals and still hone their strategy but they will get there and uh, it's, it's the collaboration of the group which i think is the most powerful thing in masterminds you've got this group of 60 or so other people that are committed to do the course and everyone is so so helpful and that's the, the biggest success for me is having all these people that and it doesn't feel like you're on your own whenever you feel yeah. a bit down you need a bit of help with something or another there's someone in that group of experience and knowledge that can help you and that's the real power for me I love the, the, the power of the group well that's it I mean because really the knowledge you know the information you can get out there it's you know it's, it's no big secret that you know how to run a hmo and how to there's a lot of free content out there but i think what you know you're buying into there what the what the mastermind group offers that you can't get anywhere else is that community feel is that you know we're actually all working on the same page here we're all our, our goals are aligned and we're all on a journey together and i think when you go through an experience like that where you've all you know kind of put your money where your mouth is you've all taken a risk and yeah. uh, you know it's uh, for a lot of people it's you know it's a lot of money and they are committed 100 percent. so there's a lot of energy behind that um and uh, you know a lot of pressure as well to, to kind of make it worthwhile and, and you know get your money's worth and get the most out of it yeah um but um it, you, i think long life kind of life life friendships have come from that as well because you know you if you if you could have done it on your own you would have right yeah <laughs> um so life's a lot easier when you actually have the support of other people uh, around you who are you know I, I love this phrase that you, where if you can be with people where your goals are normal yeah. to, the, to your peer group like that is such an amazing environment to be in yeah. where you know you're, you're on the same page so it sounds like that's that you know that's where it is for you and and tell us about some of the deals that you've come across and how you've assessed those and decided which ones to go for or um okay so after a lot of del deliberation um i've gone down the rent to rent strategy that's the one that i'm really focused on now and in particular service accommodation so i'm a service accommodation manager i manage my own units as well as units for other investors um, and some of the best deals that I've had come in in the last few weeks are actually people that I've met at PIN meetings. Um, a chap I met at the Manchester PIN meeting months ago before COVID-19 um, was going to give me an apartment in Media City for me to run. And he had tenants in there and it's kind of been a very slow burner, but eventually gave me the keys to this apartment a few weeks ago. And that's led on to several other deals. And it's just, it's interesting how when you build up a really good relationship with just one person with the resources, mm. Um, and the energy to work with you, that you can get so many more things. You don't need 20 or 30 different people to help you yeah. out. You just need one or two really good investors that are happy with you and want to work with you. And you can build up a really good relationship and, and get lots and lots of deals out of this, which benefits both of us. 
So that's that's one thing that I've really learned is to just work with people really intimately and try and get good results for both parties. Mm, definitely. And so how how has obviously the service accommodation market affected you? Have you managed to let some of the you know the rooms out for the NHS nurses or key workers? Um, have you managed to keep afloat with with the properties that you've got? Yeah, we've actually done remarkably well during the COVID-19 crisis. And there's several factors that have contributed to that. Um, number one is that all the hotels are closed. <laughs> I'm a hotel room in Manchester now. And that's oh. where we've got most of our apartments. So anyone that is coming to Manchester for legitimate reason has to go through the service accommodation route. Okay. So you've got the fact of that there's less places to stay. And the other thing is that as soon as the crisis was announced and the lockdown began, Lots and lots of operators just gave the units back to the landlords. Yeah. So the yeah. people that have been doing SA for years, that have milked it and had an easy time, just they put it on Airbnb and Booking.com, they had bookings, they just managed that and they were making easy money. But the second that it became a little bit difficult, there was more risk involved, they all cut and run. And a few companies I know have shut down. Some of the larger operators have gone from hundreds of units to 30, 40, and really reduced their portfolio. So for someone like us, that was keen and driven to really get some bookings. It was a, it's been a great time. And we've actually had you know, very high occupancy rates in our Manchester units. We've had, uh, you're right, we have some, had some people that are working for the NHS come and stay for a week here, a week there. Um, and also, quite surprisingly, there's been quite a lot of contractors that have worked in Manchester completely through the crisis. We had some guys working on a 5G mass system that the government had allowed to come and stay. Um, and some other, I think we had some electricians coming and working as well, doing essential work. So we've been surprisingly busy, which has been a real success story for us. Yeah, absolutely. That's really great to hear. And um, I don't know about you, about sort of going forward, but I had a look on Airbnb just the other day to book in for, you know, a weekend away. And the it was all booked up. I couldn't, I couldn't even get a bookie until like October. I thought, damn, we like really missed out on this bit. So um how are you finding the bookings picking up as as the sort of lockdown is restrict you know the restrictions are easing up yeah it's it's really picking up rapidly now um from the 4th of july airbnb as long as the plans don't change are going to release their calendar so you couldn't book with airbnb until the 4th of july so that's a large um loss of income really for us airbnb are one of the main channels along with booking.com but the fact they're now opening up the calendar from the 4th of july we've had lots and lots of people booking from that date in several of our units all over the place and, and lots of inquiries coming in and a lot more longer bookings people whereas before we're booking a week here a week there we've had people inquiring about a month here and a month right. there um obviously they're probably self-isolating or wanting to mm. come away a lot of people are just fed up with being in the same place yeah. for a month <laughs> you know they're still working from home they just want to get away i'd love to yeah. work somewhere else other than my living room so yeah. people are quite happy to go and live in a nice apartment in manchester just as a change yeah absolutely yeah i, I get that and um it's great it sounds like really positive and how you feel about the kind of moving forward then the future you're looking to take on more units or yes yeah so i'll go back to um the landlord that I met at PIN that gave mm -hmm. us an apartment in Media City, well, he called me up last week or two weeks ago and said, uh, hey, Phil, you know, I've just got this deal of five potential flats in um, another building in Media City that we already have a flat in. And it's a great building. Our, our flat there had been fully occupied throughout the crisis. And I told him that. And he said, great, well, let's go for it. So we signed the deal for five flats. 
Um, he actually signed the deal for another five as well. So we've got 10 in one go, which is uh, quite an undertaking. <laughs> so there, there's real pressure for me now to try and fill those units to the best of my ability. So we've gone from you know two or three in Manchester to 12 or 13 in the space of a couple of weeks. Wow. But I think um, we both saw this as an opportunity. The landlord's taking all the risk. It's a lot of money that he's had to pay. He actually did the deal through a saucer. Um, but I think at this time, there aren't many people taking up these kind of SA deals. So before COVID-19, someone would have snapped up yeah. and gone. So he's willing and he's, he's um, far-sighted enough to see that in a couple of months when the lockdown ends, yeah. and he's bought these 10 at a perfect time just when, like I say, the Airbnb calendar is starting to be released. People are starting to book for longer times. It could do really, really, really well. So it's, it's a great relationship that I built up with this guy. Well, it's an exciting times and you know you just come across like you know very confident in what you're doing and um you know obviously very passionate about the you know the opportunity here and i'm just curious it's you know to go from sort of not knowing anything about property or not being interested in it to suddenly you know running a service accommodation business and, and learning as you go i mean it's you know hats off to you <laughs> brilliant you know it's great energy to have and and just figuring it out it, it would be so easy to kind of sit back and think okay no i need to learn i need to learn more i need to you know make sure it's absolutely right and you've just gone for it which is fantastic you know um so so well done <laughs> yeah well thank you very much um and and we started with one yurt that was our first unit. yeah tell us about the yurts <laughs> tell us about the yurts so um i live in the peach district um right on the border of the national park and I was looking for rent-to-rent opportunities in the Peach Street. And I was driving around and all the holiday um, homes were full, all the B&Bs were full, all the hotels were full, the campsites and uh, the caravan clubs, everything's absolutely rammed around here in the summer. And I was just thinking, there's got to be an opportunity somewhere to monetize the demand in this area and maybe do something a little bit different. Um, and I did a quick search on Google and there just there aren't any glamping sites anywhere near us, if okay. anyone knows what. Glamping is, it's like posh camping. People often have hot tubs and you can have shepherd's huts and yurts and all kinds of different things that's classed as glamping. So I was started looking around my area to see if there was a piece of empty land or a field or a farmer that might want to work with me to set up a, a glamping site. And I, the idea being that I could rent the land from him, put a yurt or something on there, and then put that on Airbnb. So it was like a, a kind of interesting rent to rent. But I quickly realised that there's a lot of infrastructure that you have put into that you've got to find showers and toilets and power and water and all these things these are problems that need resolving and none of them are cheap to fix yeah now obviously rent to rent is a strategy where you want quick cash flow for low initial output so i was thinking there's got to be a way that i could find a solution here you know there's clearly demand for this type of thing but there's got to be somewhere in this area that's got all these facilities that i need i don't have to pay for that i could rent and the real light bulb moment came for me when i started looking at local campsites that I could use because they've already got all these facilities and they might also have an interesting glamping. You know, they have a campsite already, just put a little bit of a posher tent on there and I can rent that little square piece of land from them. So I, I called up every campsite in my area within about 10 miles, it was 37 in total. I made a very quick list on Excel, called them all in one morning, I got it over with, and I eventually found three or four different campsites that were really interested in working with me. Um, went to see this one down the road, which is called Coombs Valley Campsite in the Peak District. Beautiful place, lovely landlord. Um, and we struck up a deal. And the deal was that uh, we could put a yurt. We decided to go for a yurt on this piece of land. And 
he would get £25 per night for every booking. So it's a very unusual rent-to-rent deal. You didn't have to pay him a fixed fee or anything. All the facilities were there. You just had to get the yurt set up and uh, start taking bookings. And he'd get his cut and I would get mine. So are you renting the plot of land as well as the £25? Nope. Nope. All we do is giving £25 for every night that someone stays. It's a a really unique and interesting deal. And it's it's worked out really well. Our first year I was running this whilst I was on a wind turbine in Norway. I was was away from the country most of the time. And we got 9.6 out of 10 on Booking.com. Wow. We were almost fully booked. So, um, So you paid for the yurt? I bought the yurt, I uh, got it second hand because I wasn't sure how successful it would yeah. be. Um, and I put all the fixtures and fittings inside there. Um, we've got a double bed, futon beds, cooking facilities, tea and coffee, and then they can go and use the campsite toilets and showers that are already there. Okay. So what's your initial outlay then? So the, the total outlay was £5,500 for everything. Yeah. Um, but we averaged £400 per month profit after right. paying the farmer, paying the cleaners yeah. and everything else. So it was about 51% ROI for our first year. And I was pretty happy with that. It was kind yeah. of a test just to see if, if this kind of thing could work. Yeah. Um, and it, it's really grown from there. It was fantastic. And it, it opened up my eyes to service accommodation. Like yeah. I say, I wasn't even in this country when people were checking in and checking out. Yeah. And um, the systems we had were so good that often I'd just get a little message from Airbnb or Booking.com saying, no, you've just been paid 300 quid. I was like, oh. Amazing. Even though someone was staying there today, <laughs> those are the best feelings when you message your phone dings, you know, money's coming into your account, and it was all arranged. So, yeah, this is why I cool. chose to focus on service accommodation on my mastermind. Well, I mean, it's a really good point. I just want to, you know, dig into that a little bit because you, what you've done there is, you know, a couple hundred pounds a month, about four hundred pound profit or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're not going to be retiring on that. On that, but. What it is, is you've taken action and the learning that you've got from that, like you say, it's opened you up to other kind of strategies and other ways of making money with, within that strategy of the service accommodation. So, um, you know, how much do you feel like that gave you the momentum and, you know, to go it, to go kind of bigger and build the business? Yeah, it was, it was absolutely key. Um, you learn so much about service accommodation just by having one unit. Yes. Some people might do it and decide it isn't for them. And that's also a great learning. Yeah. It cost an enormous amount of money and you can shelve it and say, no, it's not for me. Um, so it was, a, it was really, really key. And I've applied the lessons I've learned to it and the things mm-hmm. I did for the year to provide a good service to all the apartments and the accommodation that we've done now. Um, so it has been fantastic. And I've really used that to move forward. Well, and the obvious question people might have is why doesn't the, the you know, the campsite owner just do it himself why doesn't he just pay five grand for a year himself yeah great question um the guy just can't be asked with the hassle doesn't want the hassle which is a very common thing with service accommodation people don't want to deal with it and it is a lot to manage there's a lot of stuff that you have to consider and systemize in order to make your life easier but he in fact he has bought a glamping pod that we now manage for him I didn't tell you this, but at the time I called him, he'd just received planning permission for three glamping pods. So we already had all the planning permission in place for a glamp site, but he didn't have the time or the energy to get it set up. So out of the this guy calls him up and says, hey, I want to start a glamping site. And <laughs> oh, that's, that's good. Yeah, yeah, that's what I want to do too. Wow, the thing, so, yeah, the synchronicity there. <laughs> it, was, it was very, very good timing. And I only got that because of the numbers that I did. I just 
pure chance. And um, so he bought, he bought a glamping pod last year and he's now got that set up. And he said, look, you did such a great job with the yurt. Can you manage my glamping pod for me? Wow. Said, great, sure, no problem. So even though we only get a percentage of those bookings, it's extra cash flow for us. So that £400 a month, you know, with the glamping pod, that might now be £600 a month or maybe seven. Wow. Okay. Well, this is all sounding, you know, too good to be true, to be honest. Tell us something that's gone wrong. <laughs> oh, God. What's, what, 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 what's your, you know, biggest challenges? Because I think sometimes people are put off because they just don't know. And they, for some people, they imagine the worst and other people, they imagine the best and they just get on with it and do it. Other people, you know, they imagine the worst things or just the unknown and that kind of stops them. Yeah. They get blocked by their own sort of paralysis by analysis of what's going on but i think if we can understand what the challenges are and actually they're not that bad and they can be overcome so tell us what you know what have you had to deal with we've had several things gone wrong now i'm a i'm a person that very much learns by my own mistakes (laughs) people learn in different ways some people would like to delve deep into a subject and learn about all the pitfalls and make sure they manage them unfortunately i'm not like that i just dive right in there Uh, and then when the mistakes happen i go ah okay this is something that i need to think about uh so several things have happened so first off with the yurts we had an issue because we left the thing up all winter which was a terrible idea (laughs) if you buy a yurt in the uk for sure 100 percent, take the thing down and put it in storage (laughs) only takes a day and it was a day that i thought i couldn't be bothered doing with well how i regret that so we had this winter um the storm of the decade i forget the name (laughs) of the thing that blew through uh, in the early part of the year and uh, the year did not do well it did not do well at all it survived Uh, it it was still standing but we had um the canvas was ripped uh, the roof was a little bit damaged there was water leaking everywhere lots of the furniture that was in there was damp and moldy it had to be thrown away um, so yeah, this was one of the major challenges that I had to face this year and we've had to buy a whole load of new stuff to get the unit up and running. So that was one of the key things I've learned, particularly about the yurts. Um, but it just sort of highlights the challenges and things that you've come across and it didn't put me off. I didn't think, yeah. you know what, forget this. I'm not doing this this year. You know, I, I knew it would do well. I'd reinvested and, and sort of tarted it up and made it look nice. Um, and that's just one thing that happened. But the apartments in Manchester are a completely different challenge. Um, so for the yurts, for the glamping site, tend to not really charge too much of a deposit. The sort of people that come and stay in a yurt are nice, happy, friendly people that want to come away with their families and have a nice time. Uh, but the apartments in Manchester, you get a different clientele and you can certainly get these people that that want to come and have a nice party in your apartment, which is a challenge that you need to overcome. So um, the first apartment I had in Manchester for this investor, is actually a, an investor on Mastermind, a very good friend of mine. He said, hey, Phil, you know, you're good at service accommodation. Can you run this three bed apartment in Manchester for me? Great, no problem. So I spent a lot of time with my first one. And I wanted to do a really good job. I spent hours painting all the walls and getting new decoration. We completely um, redecorated it, looked lovely, new bed sheets, everything. And our first booking came in. Now, unfortunately, when the cleaners came to clean that apartment with our very first booking, it was trashed. <laughs> it was absolutely trashed. Uh, they'd burnt all the sheets, they'd been taking drugs in there. Somehow they burnt the sheets. Oh, yeah, yeah burn marks in all the all the furniture uh it oh, was a nightmare and that was my very first booking right go on then so what was going through your mind that you know she calls <laughs> up you you turn up 
and you see all of this that you've yeah. just spent time and money on. Yeah. What was uh, going through your head? Well, isn't this a crap industry? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. What have I done? I was committed. No, look, I'm committed. Yeah. I was committed to it and you're going to get challenges along the yeah. way. And uh, I was I'm so lucky that the cleaning team that we got involved in this were absolutely amazing. And they turned it around, they bought new sheets, they did everything for me. And they cleaned it up as best we could because we had another booking coming in the next day. Um, so we had to get turned around yeah. fast. So you overcome challenges. And now I've since changed my systems. I make sure I charge a very high deposit for that apartment. And it, it has happened again. But luckily, because we had a high deposit, we could, we could pay for it. I had to pay for most of the damage myself because I, I held my hands up and it was, yeah. I was the manager for this property. It's my fault that it got damaged. Ultimately, there was something in place that was lacking. So we tweaked our systems, we changed it, we upgraded a few things. And like I say, it did has happened once before, but because we charge a very high deposit now, it more than covered the cost of it. And we knew, uh, and we knew what to do. We had a system in place. Yeah, I suppose it's like, you know, worst case, you know, we're not talking about a, you know, 500 million pound flip deal here, are we? With You know, we're talking about a bit of furniture and a bit of paint, a couple of grand max. Um, yeah. The, you know worst case and there's a, a quote heard once I'm not sure it's a good thing or a bad thing about it but it says um if you've got a problem and you've got the money to fix a problem then you don't have a problem great quote. That is a great and I was quote. like do you know what yeah at the end of the day you get a couple hundred pound a couple of grand if, if something's gone wrong if you've got the money there and you can find the money then you just get on with it because it's part of the journey. Like you said, you, you've got to expect it. And it's part of the business model, really. Um, and obviously, you know, you're learning different ways of how you can sort of navigate this and, and, and avoid party nights and maybe just avoiding the one night stays or whatever it is. Um, yeah. And that just comes with learning. So, but you're still here. You're still standing. <laughs> I'm still here. I'm still here. And hey, still making money, you know. I'm sure there'll be other issues that come up that I'll learn from. Um, but already, before I even start, I know all the things I need to put in place that can yeah. kind of prevent these issues happening for those 12. Because obviously having it happen at one apartment is a, a bit of a nightmare. But imagine if there were 12 parties wow. on the same day, it just wouldn't be able to get <laughs> So, uh, yeah, and that certainly is an issue that is, is happening a lot right now with the service accommodation um, across the country, I think. There's a lot of young people out there that just want to let loose. Um, yeah. And they're booking these Airbnbs and, and the service accommodation, we've got the same strategy right now during June. It's, it's quite cheap. People are, are selling their units at a much, much lower rate than they usually would do just to mm-hmm. co- cover the costs, basically, and, and to attract the contractor market. But the downside of that is that you get a lot of you know, 18, 20 year olds that wouldn't usually be able to afford a luxury three bed apartment yeah, in the city. Right. I can suddenly bang together with their, their pocket yeah. money or whatever little savings they've got. Think, yes, let's go for this and let's have a massive party. So it's something you really got to look out for and you've got to be careful. Got to be very, very careful. Oh, well, sounds like a really exciting time for you and, um, you know, wish you all the best with the new units and um, look forward to hearing from you again in the future and finding out how, uh, how it's all going. So thanks very much for your time. No worries. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Great. Well, uh, all the best at the end of the mastermind as well. And uh, great. Well, it's a good place to wrap it up there. So, uh, final shout out for the magazine. If anyone hasn't got a magazine, then click the link in the show notes and get your free first one. And that's all for me. And uh, I'll see you guys next time. Bye.